the day will come where I forget to record this. Like we're going to sit and chat for 40 minutes, inane chatter, and it's not going to be recorded and it's just going to go down as a total waste of time. You can say that, you can say that, but maybe the world will thank us. Tipping Liverpool to stay up this year. (laughs) Thanks for explaining how the Premier League works then. Enjoy that, no? No. Uh, Hello and welcome to the return of the Football Times podcast with myself, RadioTimes.com sport editor Michael Potts, and I'm joined in the virtual studio by a slightly rusty, slightly rusty Spanish shirt-wearing Jake Wilson of BBC Match of the Day magazine. How are you doing? We've had a little break from each other. How's it going? We back, baby! Uh, I'm good, Michael. I'm happy to be here chatting to you. Got your dorset tones back in my ears, mate. It's been too long. It's been too long. How you been? Two weeks is a long time. I know. We took a little bit of a pause due to Easter holidays and I was off for a week and, you know, sunning myself in the front room as opposed to the kitchen. Um, But yeah, it's it's been a good time. Had a nice time. Bit of of sun, bit of shorts, bit of, you know, hat, gloves, scarf, snow. Don't quite know where we're at right now, but the football is good. Um, thoroughly enjoyed watching uh, a cheeky bit of Bayern Munich PSG in the snow last night, which was, oh, what a game, my friend, if you've seen any of that. Um, but we we will look straight past the glitz and glam of the Champions League, uh, and we'll be diving straight back into the Premier League, which returns this weekend. Um, we'll be rounding up three of the games coming up. Uh, they're all they're all back to back actually as well. So we're gonna we're gonna walk you through Super Sunday basically. Uh, then we have our fantasy Premier League tips, uh, and by the end we're going to be looking at some of the key players to watch in the run-in, or as Mr. Wilson terms them, the run-in specialists. Uh, so we will be we'll be chatting through some of the the key runners and riders for the remainder of the Premier League season. Uh, so starting uh, with our games to watch this weekend, uh, we're going to be looking on Sunday. We're going to be looking at Sunday, 11th of April. Uh, it's Burnley versus Newcastle to kick off proceedings. Uh, it's a 12pm kickoff, so just while you're having your little Sunday lunch. Uh, it's on Sky Sports Premier League, main event and now, uh, which has been rebranded from Now TV. It's just now. It's just now. Um, we <laughs> Shut up, Michael. Um, Burnley v Newcastle. Uh, it's that time of year, isn't it, where Burnley just go into ultimate survival mode. Um, Chris Wood, Ashley Barnes, or or one of their sort of you know cookie cutter strikers uh, kicks into gear and starts scoring the goals. Chris Wood is this this year's. Uh, talisman you want to call him uh, three goals in three games after forgetting he existed for most of the season. Um, and Burnley are are well and truly sort of. Alive and kicking, really, in the last few weeks. Yeah, you can't write off Matej Vidra either, mate. I thought he was the bright light playing in the championship. Derby, scoring goals left, right and centre. But it took a little while, but he took his goal uh, last weekend rather nicely. But yes, he is in the Chris Wood shadow. And it is quite a formidable shadow, that frame and uh, that goal burden that he is taking on. Um, got a goal and assist against Southampton, which was beautiful. He's had 10 shots in the last three games, seven inside the box, and four of them being big chances. So he's getting in the right positions, and, and Burnley are finding him in them. Um, we've got Dwight McNeil on the wing, obviously, who um, his delivery is excellent, really. If he was playing a team um, that was more attacking than Burnley, then he would be definitely more highly spoke of, I think. Um, but they're getting Chris Wood in the positions. You know, Ashley Barnes hasn't quite been there this year. Jay Rodriguez has been in and out of the side. But um, but Wood is there, getting the goals. Um, 
and like like you said, Michael, Burnley were in trouble uh, a couple of months ago. They were in that dogfight. Um, but Sean Dyche just knows how to get them to, to scrap and fight those wins out. Um, they may not win every game. They may throw away some results, but they get those W's on the board that, um, that fly you up past teams getting those draws, don't they? I think that's it, isn't it? Like, I mean, their form isn't actually fantastic. I mean, they've, they've won one of the last four. You could read it like that. Or you could say they've only lost one of the last four. Um, so it, it depends whether you're a, you're a half full or half empty type of guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, they just they just do find those those big those big performances, that little burst of form that just keeps you safe at the end of the season. And it, I mean, it's it's too early to call. I mean, there's there's what I'm looking at the table now. There's seven points ahead of Fulham with a game in hand over Fulham, uh, with seven games to go. If you if you're going by Fulham's, you know, Fulham have seven games to go. Burnley have eight. Um, you do look look at that and think that is you would take that. You would take that position now for somebody like Burnley who doesn't spend a lot of money each year. Um, Sean Dyche is. I, I just really appreciate the guy, and and I hope everybody does because. Um, the way he he's never he's never going to be like he has no right to be tipping the the top half scales with Burnley and yet he has in certain seasons and taken them into Europe and whatever for you know not exactly very long but um, he has <laughs> taken them into the top half and I just think like what a job he's done he's he has stuck to that brief perfectly and and I think the owners if they truly wanted to kick on and go to the next level that's kind of on them now Sean Dyche will will do what he is told to do and at the minute it's just stay up reasonably comfortably and let's say another win this weekend um, and, and there could be I mean, 36 points home and host really um, also shout out to, to Chris Wood there I think I think you brought up an important point I was thinking I was just thinking as you were saying actually imagine putting Chris Wood into a just in another team any other team pretty much uh, imagine slotting him into Wolves lineup as the, as the main man up front. Uh, slotting him into Everton. There's some players who they never really linked with transfers. They never really linked with moves. Um, they they Chris Wood is just he's just the guy who plays for Burnley. But he does score goals. He does score goals, and he is an imposing figure. And I just you do wonder about some of these players. Like, could they actually stick him in an Everton team? I'm not saying he's going to go to Everton, but stick him in an Everton team. It, the amount of chances people will create for him, he's a goal scorer. He's a goal scorer, and it's, it's interesting. I think you made a good point with Wolves. Um, we've got the players to make chances. You know, we've got Nevers playing from deep. We've got Troyore and Neto who create chances. Been widely publicised that Troyore's got, you know, no assists until until the weekend. But the amount of chances he's created is is really strong. So um, instead of maybe having William Jose, who genuinely doesn't look like he's ever going to score for Wolves, um, the luck is not on his side. Um, yeah, maybe a Chris Wood in a team that doesn't always play on the second ball, you know, doesn't, doesn't try and hit long and, and, and play direct slightly more, um, you know, that does have more wing play, does get more balls, balls into the box from out wide. Um, you know, Chris Wood could be looking at a 15, you know, goals a season striker easily. So mm. um, credit to him for, for sticking on and, and having this good purple patch of form and credit for Burnley for, for figuring out how to attack um, slightly more penetratively. Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, yeah, it's it's good. To think. It's just something I've thought about throughout the season. Really, people like Ben Teke, even at Palace. Palace is the other one, isn't it? Like, imagine Zaha in a team where he wasn't the only guy capable. Oh well, him and Eze, 
um, Ben Teke, if he actually had a team who was creating chances and looking to create chances. It's interesting just to see how, yeah, different players would slot into very different styles. It's interesting. Uh, but that's for another day. Uh, Burnley take on Newcastle this weekend, like I say, 12 o'clock on Sunday. Uh, quick word on Newcastle. I mean, played well against Spurs. They got their point. Um, not many wins. It's wins, isn't it, that they need? Points are kind of... They're neither here nor there, really, aren't they? I mean, it, it obviously edged them one point further away from Fulham, um, but they need they need a win, and and this looks like a big opportunity for them, considering how hard some of their games are coming up. At least they kind of went for a win against Spurs. Um, you know, the early lead from Joe Linton, it's a lovely finish from him, um, mm. and he's been widely criticised and rightly so. Um, but but yeah, they attacked a bit more, didn't they? They they kind of pressed. High, they they got people into good positions. Um, they had a front line of Almiron, Gale, and Gerlinton. You know, that's that's a decent front line um, with, with definite ability to hurt people. And then St. Maximan came off the bench, which is the biggest of comebacks uh, for that Newcastle side. But um, I know we criticised Newcastle for not really attacking teams enough. I, they, they lost to Brighton 3 um, 0 a couple of weeks ago, and they looked they were pretty abject going forward. The the XG was you know almost zero in that game I think um, and and that's a sad state of affairs when you see your team not fighting and scrapping for for every point available um, when they're in that position that Newcastle are um, now Newcastle did fight and scrap um, and, and go for games and I hope they do go for this one um, and and try and attack and if St Maximan can start that's brilliant and Amaran obviously can do it um, they do leave themselves. Um, a bit more open defensively when they do that, which um, Harry Kane exploited uh, in, the, in the Spurs game. Mm. Um, and yeah, they've conceded eight in their last four away games. So um, they kind of need Joe Linton to score a brace for them to have any chance of winning uh, mm. really in games. Um, they need to change that a little bit as well as they need to change going forward and defensively, which isn't a great spot to be in. But um, at least they're fine. They need to sort everything out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice summary. Sorry, I totally cut you off there, but that's what it sounded like. <laughs> that's where it was. That's the that's the the, the be on end all. Um, they are in very sticky situation. They can easily play their way out of it. Um, well, I said easily. It's not easy, is it, down there at the minute? Um, yeah, this is. I, I, I know what you. I know what you're saying though. It is. I think one. I, I think if Newcastle win this game, if Fulham lose their game, if Newcastle beat Burnley, they're opening up a six point gap, and they'll have a game in hand. And then you're kind of running out of road for in in terms of Fulham. Sort of, they're running out of road to actually bridge that gap. I think it could so easily go for them I think I think yeah maybe those points have just put them in a position now where like one win could actually be enough to say look well drag Brighton back in um, but they can say look like we actually are we are in control of this I think until 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 the weekend I feel like they're not in control and, and they've they've lost games they've drawn games that they should have won not great um, I feel like this is a, a huge encounter um, for, for Newcastle and for Burnley as well, really. Like I say, a win would, would keep them up. Um, yeah, um, I, I agree there. I think Newcastle have it potentially in their hands at this point. I think Fulham play on Friday night against Wolves. That is a massive game for Fulham because mm. Wolves, speaking as, as a Wolves fan, are in some horrendous form. I think we're in the worst form in the division 
um, recently. Um, I can't remember the last time we won. Almost. <laughs> well, there are only there are only two teams who haven't won in the last five games. One is Wolves. One is Newcastle. So. Oh well, there we are. Then. <laughs> it's, it's not great company. It's not great company. So, so yeah. So Fulham win that game. Pressures on Newcastle even more. Mm. But if Fulham don't beat Wolves and Newcastle can go and get out three points at Turf Moor. That is huge, and that puts it that puts it totally in their their reach of staying up, and and makes you know Scott Parker's job really difficult. Mm. Brighton, yeah. you mentioned Brighton there. They've got I think they've got the hardest running of any team um, on paper. So um, yeah, it's not all gloom at Newcastle. Mm. We'll take a look at the run-ins, I'm sure, in the coming weeks. I'm sure we'll we'll do something like that, shouldn't we? We'll we'll have a look at the the last five games or the last six games and have a look and see what's going on. Just taking mental notes, so I can't be bothered to text you later about it. Remember it. <laughs> what's your prediction for this one before we we move on? Oh God, it's, it gets even harder when you get to this part of the season. Asking me to predict Burnley versus Newcastle. Burnley, could, you know, could we could win three 0 or Newcastle could smash and grab. Um, yeah, a side needs to win this. And I'm going for Burnley at this point in the seasons when they turn it on. Um, 2 1. I'm going with a 1 1 draw. Ooh, going with a little. Win. I have Burnley got the cutthroat ability to kill a team off. We'll see. Uh, moving on later in Super Sunday. So once you've watched Burnley v Newcastle, once all of the Fulham business is done and we can see what the relegation picture looks like, uh, we move to the top of the table or near the top of the table uh, between in a battle of third v fourth, or should I say fourth v third, uh, it's West Ham United versus Leicester. It's a five past two kickoff. Five past two. A oh. classic traditional time uh, on Sky Sports Premier League main event. And now... Um, I mean, could you see this as a as a fourth v third battle at the start of the season? I mean, I wasn't. I couldn't see any of the. I'd have just laughed in your face. Um, but here we are, and we have West Ham sitting in the top four in April, um, and and looking pretty good for it. Looking pretty good value for that top four spot. Um, yeah, could could you see any of this happening? No, if you'd have told me this was a ninth v third match at the beginning of the season, I'd have said, yeah, that's probably about right. But West Ham have exceeded all expectations um, and full credit should go to every member of that squad. Uh, the backroom staff, David Moyes, uh, you know, they've, they've done this really well. It's in their hands. They are fourth in the Premier League, level on games with all the other teams, level with Chelsea, level with Spurs, level with Liverpool. I mean, they're only one point above Chelsea. Um, after Chelsea's absolute capitulation against <laughs> West Brom, which was uh, which was which very was interesting. Mad. Watch. Um, <laughs> but, but West Ham did it. Like they could, they they almost capitulated against Wolves. You know, with Traore with that lovely assist that he got for Dendonkness first, um, and then Wolves got the second. Fabio Silva, and we we almost got it back. But defensively solid West Ham, and that's not something we're able to say always for a lot of seasons. Mm. Ruthless when they needed to be. Um, I mean, Wolves gave them two goals, but we won't get into that. From my perspective, um, but but yeah, set, set up a big lead and then were were you know managed the game well enough to to get the three points and that's what top teams do. Mm. Um, you know they you know Petr Pedro Neto wasn't very happy with it. Apparently he had a bit of a bit of a word with Jesse Lingard for for the management at the end of the game. But three points is all that matters, um, mm. and that was without Declan Rice, who has obviously been so instrumental for them this season. Mark Noble stepping back up. It's um, it was a good, good weekend, and it's in their hands, Michael. 
It is. It really is. And like the last two, I know we're, we're talking about them being defensively solid, and I still think we can call them that. Obviously, they have conceded a few goals uh, in the last two games, uh, five goals actually in the last two games. But again, still, still, they're, they're well, I mean, obviously in the Arsenal game, they've still got a point from it. And apart from that Arsenal game, it's been such a, such a low drama season. For West Ham, like we, we expect West Ham to be this bit of a basket case club, and I don't think the fans would really like have much of a, you know, they wouldn't really argue against me saying that because that's what it's felt like for the last couple of years. Just a bit of a spending enormous money, and and there's been protests, there's been just you know things with the ownership and and managers coming in, and David Moyes le- like coming in, then leaving, then coming back in, and relegation battles on the last day. Obviously, the stadium, everything about that club's just been a bit messy and dramatic. Feels like they've just had a nice, slow-paced time. <laughs> they've just had a nice time, really, and yeah, I mean, just no drama. <laughs> and signings they've made. Jesse Lingard has come in and, and just turned into this absolute. He's got himself back in the England squad again. Start of the season, telling me that Jesse Lingard would be the informed player going into the Euros potentially. It just doesn't. That doesn't compute in my head. And so, absolutely fair, fair play to everybody involved there. Um, for players who've been out of form or out of favour for, for stepping up, um, for for players who you know have actually had a bit of a coming of age season, Declan Rice, absolutely, he is he's he's one of those players who West Ham fans have talked about for a long time, and you feel like because of that, it's kind of seeped into social media. Like De- Declan Rice, yeah, he's great, he's great. Did anybody had anybody really seen Declan Rice? producing these quality, quality performances every single week before this season. Like, he obviously was pulling in some good good results and stuff like that, some good performances displays. But I felt like it was he was kind of just West Ham's thing. And West Ham fans, it was their it was their baby sort of thing. Now he's like this England like fled, like you know fully fledged almost England midfielder who everybody's saying has to start the Euros. Uh, what a season from that boy. And let's say tough tackling uh, he can drive forward a bit as well. I've seen that a few times. He can actually move forward with the ball. He's not just a um, a dig deep sort of in the trenches man. Um, and and like you say, conceded a couple without his presence against Wolves, who've really struggled to score. Uh, I don't think it's a, a big coincidence. Um, big big end of the season, obviously starting with uh, with this game against Leicester. Uh, who have sort of adapted quite well, really, without without Harvey Barnes and James Madison for large spells. Uh, they've got Vardy back, who seems fairly fit and happy. Uh, Kelechi Iheanacho is turning up. He's having his Chris Wood spell. Um, just two non-drama teams just kind of turning up, winning games and and loving life. <laughs> yeah, Leicester, Leicester were a drama side this time last year when they, when they kind of threw away almost... Um, their, their their top spot uh, for the for the Champions League, um, but this season they may have matured a little. Um, I don't think they're going to throw away that Champions League football, um, and that's despite the injuries that they've had. Like you said, Harvey Barnes, James Madison have been, been out. Um, Vardy's been you know a, a little under his best, um, but then at the back you had the the fullbacks getting injured quite a lot. So Yunchu. Has been in and out. I think he's out with um, with COVID restrictions at the moment. So it's not like they've been without their own turmoil, but they've adapted to it. You've got players like Daniel Amati coming in and, and putting in performances, and he even scored a goal that was, was super important a couple of weeks ago. So um, 
Yeah, and then up front, when you've got two players who um, are so quality and um, are in such a good vein of form, Vardy obviously still doing that mature game that he's got now. He's, he's running, but not as much as he used to. He's playing on the line a bit more. He's been a bit smarter with his energy. Inacho, um, lapping up anything he can take, you know, taking shots, being brave, having that confidence. Um, it's a hard, hard thing to see past. And that is, you know, without some of the players being in top form, Madison, um, like we said, been injured, but not not quite on 100% um, that he'd want to be, you know, especially going into the Euros. So um, their, their league form is impeccable. Mm. I don't think, um, yeah, their, their City loss was their first in the Premier League this calendar year which is pretty mad now it's in in April. Um, they, they're doing good. And it's it's nice to be praising two teams and not having to look at many faults. Because yeah. you've always got to look at the good side. You feel like it just could just be a good game. <laughs> and like I think even if West Ham lose and Chelsea leapfrog them, that's, that's kind of fine because they're, they are massively sort of over overachieving or, or exceeding expectations, we should say they're not overachieving. They're they're achieving what they deserve to be achieving. Um, but yeah, just just two good football teams going up against each other. I've got no real negatives to say about either of them. Just sort of, I'm just looking forward to a good game of football, and and they should both provide it. Um, yeah, lots lots to enjoy there, and, and and a mature Leicester side. That's I think that's the word I kept coming to with Leicester, mature and. Um, I like that they've found one of the biggest issues with this whole era of whole era. I sound like the oldest <laughs> man ever, but like playing one one up front. Obviously, it's been around a while, but um, playing that one guy up front, and I think that's been sort of Spurs' issue. They've got Harry Kane up front, and then when he doesn't score, or when he is injured, or or wherever he is, they haven't got a another way to play and they don't know how to replace him. Leicester, it's fantastic that with Vardy's picking up a few injuries here and there, he's going out in and out of form here and there, but they've got that plan to bring Iheanacho in to sort of fill that, that gap. And then obviously because he scored a couple, you keep him in and then adapt your team to suit him and then bring him in alongside Vardy. And then you've got, now you've suddenly got this system. I mean, Leicester have played one up, Vardy up front by himself for however long. And now suddenly they have two strikers who aren't, you know they're not enormously different. Um, just having them both up front and, and fit and firing is 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 a very good adaptable sign of a team on the up. I'm very excited for this game. <laughs> What's your prediction for it, Mister Wilson? It, again, another Premier League game that could go any way. Um, I, I do think Leicester, with their form, will sneak this one. And I'm going to say two-one again, um, but. You know, full credit to, to both of them. It's it's hard to pick between. They're both doing really well, but um, yeah, Leicester have got an edge for me. I'm going with the. I'm going with the. I'm just <laughs> my backside's getting sore from sitting on this fence. But um, I'm going to go with the. I'm going to go with a two all draw. Just just mix it up. Uh, I think they're both going to listen to this pod and think, you know what, put on a show for pots. Put on a show for pots. Uh, two all draw. Let's go with it. Uh, and then once that two all draw is finished, uh, you can keep uh, keep sticking on your Sky Sports Premier League main event on Now TV platform. Uh, and four thirty kickoff, we have Spurs versus Manchester United. Uh, the games don't get any smaller, really, do they? They keep getting larger. Uh, Man United sitting in second, Spurs down in sixth. Uh, Eleven points between the two, and plenty to play for for Spurs. Um, 
We chatted about the moment with Newcastle, but just abject, just so bad for that first half an hour. Um, they let Newcastle play, but Newcastle fair play, you know, took <laughs> it saw that invite and thought, you know what, let's play. Um, so it was it was definitely a bit of both. Um, but yeah, Spurs just lacked that bit of intensity. I thought I thought Hoiberg looked a bit off, um, just a bit. I don't know if it was just the formation. They only went four four two. I don't know if it was just a bit of a formation thing, but he just looked a little bit off for a while. Uh, Sanchez has been good lately, but he he didn't have a great game. Uh, Regulon, Tanganga, Rodon. It's not the most settled team. Not the most settled team, unlike West Ham, what we're talking about. They're very settled. Um, Spurs just look a bit edgy. Yeah. Um, if I was a Spurs fan, I'd be sick of the word Spursy. But yeah. <laughs> it all feels very Spursy, doesn't it? Um, I think you you're right completely with it being unsettled, especially your back line. Uh, you do want a back line that is uh, is regular, is there every week that you know the, the keeper and the four or five in front that you can rely on, and you you know where everyone's going to be. But Joe Rodon, obviously a very good young talent, but coming into a side and then Tanganga playing on the right and Davidson Sanchez, who has definitely had an upturn in form, but um, as his as his moments, that that isn't the Spurs defense that we knew. Um, you look a few years ago, I remember just waxing lyrical to every soul who would listen about Vertonghen and Alderweireld um, because you just couldn't get any better. You just looked at the Spurs defence and you're like, yeah, that's just perfect. Lloris, them two in front. Now, it's worrying now, isn't it? Um, uh, especially with Mourinho um, not exactly backing his men um, in the press as he is um, known to do. Um, and then going forward, they, they just don't seem as ruthless. Um Harry Kane, obviously the best footballer in the world. <laughs> uh, I was like, where's he going with around. this? He went for it. <laughs> there, he's around there. He's so ridiculously good. His all-round game. Um, I love Harry Kane. Um, but with, with Son out, you know, things things don't seem settled and you, they don't have that way of playing. And we're back to talking like this again, um, you know, throwing, Spurs throw away four points against Newcastle this season, uh, obviously at the weekend, but then earlier in the season, they conceded a 97th minute equaliser. Uh, those four points do a lot for you when you Spurs. They, they make European football look, um, you know, real. But they've, Spurs them away um, and a few weeks ago we were talking about Spurs like they were you know the best thing since um, Cadbury's Cream Eggs um, mm. so it's it's, it's a funny one um, yeah. we're, we're, we're back to talking about this weird Spurs thing they keep doing I'm just I'm just looking at their team now by the way from um, from the start of the season so first day of the season I, I've just read out the defence there so the defence now uh, at the weekend was Tanganga uh, they had Rodon and Sanchez in the middle, Regulon at left back, um, playing a four four two. That was that was the game just gone. Uh, first day of the season, they had Larice in goal. They had Matt Doherty. They had Toby Alderweireld, Eric Dyer, Ben Davies at the back. Entirely new back four. They're playing a four two three one. They had Hoiberg and Winks as the two. They had Lucas Moura and Deli Ali, and then Son, all behind Kane. You look at that team now and you say, well, where's Winks? Where's Deli Ali? Where's the entire back four? 
Lloris has not had a great season. It, I just, it's just so unsettled. We don't know. There's no, there's no, no wonder we're talking about you know which Spurs is going to turn up because literally which Spurs is going to turn up. They, they don't know. Mourinho doesn't know what his, his best eleven is. Um, obviously, Bale's not had the impact he, he was supposed to have. He's using it as a pure gym. Um, there are other gyms available, um, and it's just. It's just frustrating because I quite like watching Spurs. Quite enjoy Spurs. I love Harry Kane like you. Um, I just don't see. You. It's just a bit rudderless, isn't it? I'm, I'm sorry. I'm a little bit out of out of ideas and out of words because we've said it all before. Um, I love I love Tanga and Dombele. I think he's a great player, and he had a decent game at the weekend. But even then, it's just kind of like well, without without a settled you know midfield two midfield. Uh, sorry, midfield two and, and back four. It's just going to be the same, isn't it, till the end of the season? It, it actually frustrates me a bit. This is my passionate rant for the <laughs> for the week, but I just they just frustrate me because there's a good squad in there and the form isn't awful. They just haven't. They just don't make the most of the of the games they should. That, that game against Newcastle was just a sitting duck. They have to win that game. Not not you know it's not. If you look at their form now, they've they've won three of the last five. And, and only lost one of them. But that grey little dot for the draw against Newcastle does not explain what actually happened in that game. And they were so poor for half an hour. They were so poor to concede the goal at the end. Um, very frustrating. Very frustrating for Spurs fans, uh, for neutrals who quite enjoy Spurs, uh, and everybody who just likes a bit of drama. Uh, moving on to Man United. Uh, just a very quick word on Man United, actually, before we, we, we start to wrap up this pod. But... Um, but United, no drama, just decent, just getting along, exactly what they need to be doing, winning. They are what Spurs should be. They're just getting along, taking games as they come, winning them, um, and look very settled. You know who's going to be their back four. You know it's going to be Wan-Bissaka, Shaw, Maguire, Lindelof. Uh, you know that they're going to have Henderson in goal at the minute. Uh you just know what to expect from Man United. I think that's a lovely place for them to be at right now to to build on in the summer. Yeah, you don't look you don't look at them and think that is the perfect Man United team because no. it's not. They, they make they make mistakes. Their players aren't in perfect form. You look at the forward line: um, Cavani not quite there. Rashford is to shine in light. Greenwood's only scored one Premier League goal this year, um, this season. Sorry, and Martial. Who who, who knows what? going on with Martial mm. but they're grinding out those results you know they beat Brighton um, twice this season after going behind in both games because someone is stepping up from somewhere mm. if it's defensively you know Harry Maguire stepping up at the back clearing clearing things when Henderson maybe drops them great Fernandez obviously is that talisman in the middle but then you've got McTominay will step up and, and Rashford like I said I think he's going to have a, a big end to the season Um they do have players that are stepping up and getting those results because at the end of the day, you can you can play all the wonderful football you can. You can you can breeze past Burnley four 0 but if you you know then drawing two two against Newcastle, where Man United may have won one nil and and two one, then you know the other team's done you know a lot better than you because you've mm. got six points. The other team's got four at the end of the day. So Man United are doing that. My worry. Um, is is the split focus now because it's getting the crunch time at the Europa League. Um, they're playing Granada tonight as we record this. Um, so who knows what happens there? But that's a very winnable tournament for them. Um, you know, the, the teams there aren't, um, you know, super daunting if you're Man United. So with them playing tonight, Spurs, 
embarrassingly uh, knocked out of the Europa League. Does that give Spurs more time to, to plan and settle for this? And um, United only have a couple of days rest and, and, and training, so so that play into it. But Man United are there; their mentality is better, um, and, and they're getting the results. And you can't, yeah. you can't. See much I like. I like what you're saying there about just sort of they've got players who just step up and get it done. Like I like that because it's kind of that's everything that Spurs don't have. Like right now with Spurs, it's kind of I know Son's a bit off the boil. You can't really criticise him. He's had such a good year. Um, but Kane is their match winner. Whereas you look at, through the United through the United side and you look at Pogba, Greenwood, Fernandez, Rashford, Cavani, Martial, even the likes of McTominay even the likes of Harry Maguire from a corner or a set piece. I mean, Luke Shaw stepped up and scored at the at the had Like, they've just got players who will step up on their, you know, on their position, take responsibility uh, and step up with goals to win. And that's why my prediction, I'm going with the Man United win here and I can't see any other result. I, I just think they're a very settled... I mean, <laughs> this is the kiss of death, isn't it really? But I think they look very settled. Uh, match winners all across the park and it's everything that spurs aren't at the moment uh, I'm going with a 2-1 win yeah um, I'm going to agree with you which is definitely the kiss of death if we both agree on a result yeah. definitely not happening but yeah uh, a 1-0 uh, for me I think United just have, have that bit of an edge um, it might just be a mental thing but um, you know the Premier League comes down to super fine margins and those fine margins do point to Man United Absolutely. Uh, very rapid look at your fantasy Premier League uh, exploits over the last week. I um, I went for my wild card, so I, I changed so much of my team for that. Do you know the depleted game week? I took so many points hits because none of my players were playing. <laughs> and I took like probably about 20 points worth of hits over like three weeks just to try and get a team ready for it uh, with the ambition of then wild carding uh, for last week. Uh, it was a really good week to pick Mendy Christensen and as Piliqueta. Three Chelsea, three. Che- I mean, I had Mendy on the bench. I had I had Melia uh, in goal, but yep, Christensen and as Piliqueta minus one between them. So that's lovely. <laughs> um, but fortunately, I did have Jota twelve, uh, Lingard twelve, and Harry Kane thirteen. Uh, he was my captain. Doubled up to twenty six. Uh, De Bruyne and Fernandez in there. Uh, I've got a bit of a striker conundrum. I've got Antonio and Calvert Lewin, but I'm looking at Inacho and thinking, is it time for Antonio's little yellow doubt to play? Uh, is it ta- is is Inacho going to keep scoring? Is he going to keep playing? Um, I'm, I'm thinking it's maybe time for Inacho ahead of Antonio. I think he's my sort of key tip for this week. Um, but yeah, I also I still I still believe in the Chelsea players. I still believe in that Chelsea defence. It was a madness of a game at the weekend, a madness. Um, but they have a few decent fixtures coming up: uh, Palace away, Bar- Brighton at home, West Ham away, and Fulham at home. Um, so there's some points there, some points to to be had from defences going into that running. Mm. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um... Kind of differently to you. Um, I had the depleted game week was good for me. Uh, I had my free hit um, and I caught up a few uh, places on some some of my uh, my title rivals. So that was nice. But last week wasn't good. I had under average score, which always stings. And it's because I didn't have enough bench players, Michael. And uh, none of my Man City three played. Stones, Cancelo, Gundogan, all, all dot between them. So... Um, yeah, I need need to sort that out a little bit. I think I just I've got 0.9 in the bank. I think I'm getting in um, Matheus Pereira. Um, I think he's gonna have a big run in, um, and one way or another. And then 
your pick, Kelechi Inacho. He's such good value, uh, under six mil. So I'm going to take them two for for James Ward-Prowse and um, Daniel Alundalu. So uh, my Southampton players are oot and uh, <laughs> uh, two others in. Just yeah, just so I've got maybe a Loughton and Mateus on the bench. Just mm. so you know, they're going to play. They're going to help me out a little bit. But at this point in the season where, where players are getting tired and, and, and more injuries will, will keep stacking up, I think I need to regain on my uh, my idea of just having uh, a, an absolutely dead wood bench. <laughs> You've seen the light, my brother. Um, I've gone with, I mean, I had Gundogan and Stones. I actually had them on the bench to start with at the weekend. But I've, I've now, with the wild card, because the only chip I've got left is bench boost. So I was just like, let's stack up on four players who will play every week. Uh, I've got Gundogan, Loughton, Stones and Mendy is my bench at the minute um, because Jota and Lingard are in such good form that you don't really need to go fully premium across the board. Um, I mean, I've still got De Bruyne, Fernandes and Kane in there, so I don't quite know how I've afforded my team. Anyway, um, <laughs> but yeah, just with those, it's quite nice to have your bench quite strong. I, I like that. Jake doesn't like that, but I like that. Go, go for it. Uh, and yeah, I think my last warning is Man City. Pep Roulette is about to spin into another gear because they have a cup final coming up. They potentially have another cup final coming up. They potentially have another cup final coming up. Uh, you know, if they get through against Dortmund and have two legs potentially against PSG or Bayern Munich. I mean, I'm expecting De Bruyne to be rested. I'm expecting Stones to be rested. I'm expecting them all to be rested at some point. Uh, so a strong bench will will counterbalance that for you. Um, very quickly before we wrap up and say goodbye, uh, we've probably gone longer than we should have, but who cares? Um, key players to watch in the run-in, run-in specialists. Who are you looking at over the last eight games? Who are the difference makers? Who are the players coming back from injury who you need to watch, who teams will be desperate to have back? Talk to me, Mr. Wilson. Well, you know, there's, there's so many players you could talk about. Trent, obviously, he's got a point to prove, hasn't he, Mr. Alexander-Arnold? Um, you've got KDB, who is just a wonderful footballer. Harry Kane. You can look at those big names. But I think there's, a, I think just slightly below that, just slightly, just tiny bit under the radar, maybe until now, is uh, Mr. Mason Mount. And I don't know if we spoke about Mr. Mason Mount on this podcast enough, really. We have but, um after after his uh, performance against Porto, I don't think um, we can put it off any longer because at this point, Mason Mann is undeniable. He is undroppable for club and country. I think he's brilliant. His form right now is as good as anyone uh, in, in the country going towards the Euros. That is so brilliant. Three goals in his last four games for club, club and country, but it's all the other work he does around that too. His movement is brilliant. He presses from the front. His passing, excellent. And his speed of movement and thought as well um, on the ball that spin he did against Porto mm. that is that is elite level mentality that is knowing the play um, for the situation and and yes the keeper could have had a chance of saving it but um, he, he made that that situation for himself um, and he's versatile too so if if Chelsea need to play him in, in the 10 they can play him in the 10 if they need to play him out wide coming inside they can play him out wide coming inside if he needs to do a job defensively he will do that job defensively there is no denying how good Mason Mount is now. Yes, he's not quite as flash as Jack Grealish. No, he doesn't score quite the long-range bangers that James Madison does. But Mason Mount, for club and for country, is 
undeniable. Um, so that's my little rant on him. I'm sold. Uh, uh, I'm very much sold on this. <laughs> I, I loved him. I went I went down to Southampton. I had some some flashy box tickets for a Southampton Chelsea game last year. And uh, he played. It was when Chelsea was sort of on their like the, the peak under Lampard sort of thing. And it was just. Um, it was like Mount Mount Abraham sort of coming into it and just running the show Hudson Doys about as well. And Mount scored a, scored a goal. The way he played was just because uh, you forget he's actually a very attacking player. I think people lump him into this midfield sort of. He's just another general midfield sort of player, um, all rounder. But he actually is so incisive when he when he you know finishing and, and going forward. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm interested to see whether he plays. Enough for Chelsea players, but maybe a bit more attacking. Uh, England, he can be sort of put into that midfield three, or you know, he can be shuffled around a little bit. I think Southgate's probably trying to work out his best position in the England setup. Um, but yeah, there's a place for him in there, place for him in both squads, and uh, can't wait to see him. Can't wait to see him in that. Um, I'm looking at Jack Grealish, uh, his comeback. I feel like Villa are sort of being very careful with his comeback. Uh, he could be a big player in the running. I mean, Villa are—they've still got a lot to play for. They've still got Champions uh, European football to play for. Everton wobbling, Liverpool wobbling, uh, although slightly turning a corner. Uh, I think Grealish could be a huge player for Villa to turn those draws into wins uh, for the rest of the season. Um, the other other players I'm looking at, I'm looking at Diogo Jota. Um, I mean, it's just an injection of of life into Liverpool really over the last few games. Uh, I'm looking at Everton, who will be looking forward to having Jordan Pickford back. I don't think anybody would have said that, really, at the start of the season, but I think he's had a good year. Um, one or two errors, but generally very good. Robin Olsen, I'm not totally sold on. Um, I think it'd be it'd be good for Everton to get him back uh, as they wobble. And Richarlison, obviously up front, just I think they need him to turn up and, and take that load a little bit off, off Calvert-Lewin. Um, and... Arguably the the player to watch at the other end of the table in the relegation zone, the player to watch. I think Newcastle are hanging on by Callum Wilson's uh, injury progress. He's not back yet. He's coming back this month. If he doesn't hit the ground running, could be enormous trouble. But I think he is the player to watch. There's two games at the end of the season. They've got Sheffield United and Fulham. If they're still in danger at that point of the season... I think Callum Wilson is the guy who uh, who will mean Newcastle sink or swim. Basically, um, a lot of a lot riding on the next few weeks, and I can't wait to watch it all. Any other shouts for us before we wrap it up? Um, yes, at the other end of the table, just before we uh, we go to do other things, Michael, with our lives, um, I want to bring up the XG specialist Brighton because I think I think they've changed recently. They've been a little bit more clinical. Danny Welbeck getting on the score sheet, which is nice to see. But two players have been really important to that. First, Leandro Trossard, who has stepped up. He's showing uh, the the quality that he has and the potential. You know, he's a Belgium starter at the at the moment. Um, you know. He's got four goals in his last four games for Club of Country and taking a bit of that form, um, hitting the net for Brighton will be really important going forward. And um, Jakob Murder, um, who uh, we all kind of know now after he scored against England um, for, for Poland, but he's he's come into the, the Brighton uh, set up recently. I think it was a January uh, addition to, to the squad. And, and he's he's brought another element there. He's a, he's a big guy, moves well with the ball, um, and he's, he's, he's changed Brighton's attack. So, um, yeah, that forward line for Brighton is is different, and I think it's definitely worth watching. And um, a few few you know moments on that FPL uh, scoreboard for Jakob Murder incoming, I think. 
Interesting. Inch. I mean, that's that's a rogue tip, but I'm, I'm, I'm. That's what we're here for. We're here to help you guys. Uh, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. We'll we'll come back to that at the end of the season. See if he if he was <laughs> the guy, and and if he was, my word, we bow down to you, uh, Mr. Wilson. What's coming up, Match of the Day magazine this week? Yes, here we go. It is a very cool issue. It is our Stat Kings issue. So you can find out who the real stars of the season are. Not just the flashy names, but who's hit the net, who's made the tackles, interceptions, who's put in those performances that maybe have gone under the radar. So that's a big one for your kids. We've also got uh, reporting on that huge WSL news that's come in recently. Um, quick mm. shout out to Leicester Women. Congratulations on the promotion. Very well done, you. Um, and then gaming tips from Man City. We've got some wicked statsy posters and some match attacks extra and UCL stickers on the front. So it is a jam-packed full package this week, Michael. Very, very good. And uh, if you, thank you very much for joining me again, Mr. Wilson. Uh, come to radiotimes.com uh, slash TV slash sport uh, for all the latest sporting previews for, uh, for the sport coming up on TV. Is that how I say it? Yeah, let's go with that. Uh, for all the sport and TV in the coming weeks, uh, we're looking forward to the Masters this week. We've got all the TV, the times, the schedule, the dates, everything. Uh, I'm not a massive golf fan, but I absolutely adore the Masters. Um, I just like the trees. It's very good. Anyway, uh, come and join us for that. Um, we've also got a bit of an interview with Mr. Frank Bruno coming up at the weekend, um, ahead of a documentary coming out on BT Sport. A uh, bit of everything going on, and we have lots more coming on the Champions League in the weeks to come. Uh, as that heats up, Premier League is going to heat up, uh, and we can't wait to, to walk you through it all to help you watch every moment. Uh, and... Yeah, soak it all up. Soak it all up, my friends, as the sun returns. Thank you very much for listening. I apologise if you can hear some builders who are slamming things around outside my house. Take care. See you next week. <laughs>